0: If you're hanging on by a thread right now, that is all you need. And you need to recognize that Jesus can do more with you hanging on by a thread than if you have his whole cloak sometimes.
1: Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club, a place for people who want to read books and be in book clubs but don't really have time to do either. I do it for you. No worries. Hey, my name is Andy hanging out in the book club this week. It's Luke Lazan with a book called Your Mess Matters, asking the question, what if the mess of your life is where God is about to do his best work. You talk about the analogy of the potter's wheel that you know, I think we've all read that maybe if, if we've been Christian long enough, but you kind of yeah. d- dig deeper into that.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, it's more just about like having a place, uh, you know, recognizing ob- obviously the sovereignty of God and how a lot of times we try to play the role of the potter instead of being the clay. And I think it's uh Uh, A lot of the issue with it is indicative of, you know, even even the way that a lot of people preach these days is, you know, you can either make Jesus the central figure and character of the story, or you can try to make yourself uh, the central figure and character of the story. And so uh, it's funny, you know, it can work for a little bit as as you're trying to mold and shape your own life. But at some point you realize, I got to get off the wheel as far as being in the role of the potter, but I need to submit and get on to it as far as being the clay and allow him to work in my life. And so, you know, uh, I love how God says, you know, Hey, can I not do with you, uh, do with uh, you as I have done with this clay. And it's like, just insert your own name there, man. It's like, Hey Luke, can I not do with you as I've done with this clay? Hey, Andrew, have can I not do with you as I've done with this clay? Uh, and so it's really just this, this willful, prayerful role of submission that I try to really tweeze out and recognize that that's a better place to be anyway than trying to play the potter with no direction or understanding of what really needs to take shape in order to be everything that God has called me to be.
1: And I think this is a question that a lot of people ask. I highlighted it. Uh, (laughs) And you have that. If God is so great, if he loves me so much, if I'm his child and he wants the best for me, then why hasn't he cleaned up the mess in my life that I've been praying and pleading with him to take care of?
0: the biggest comfort
1: to me, I'm always
0: going to defer to scripture here is uh, Hebrews 12, man uh, is, is probably the greatest. I don't know how a lot of people grew up, but I know that in, in my house, you know uh, there, there was some discipline that took place every now and then. And <laughs> Hebrews 12, it, it's talking about like, Hey, does, does God not discipline the son whom he loves? Does God not discipline the daughter whom he loves? And I realize not everything is disciplined. That's just one aspect of it. Uh, another thing is there's like a sanctifying, there's a sanctifying process that can only happen through the lens of suffering, right? I mean, it, it's so funny. You go even just one chapter earlier, the Hall of Faith, and and we love those big crescendo moments in sermons where we're talking about how, you know what, uh, what people intended for evil, God intended for good when you're Joseph, and how, you know, Joseph was... He was, he was down, and now uh, look where he is, man. He went from the, the prison to the palace. And it's like, but, but you realize in our own lives, we just hate the idea of, of being in the prison. We hate the idea of being in the pit. We hate the idea of being in a mess. But the reality is that, that God doesn't use anybody outside of those circumstances. He only uses people that have gone through things. And, and I know that we all have gone through things. I'm not here to compare... Uh, yours to mine if you I've heard it said if you've got like your arm got cut off and I got my finger cut off I'm not going to be like oh yours is bigger that must hurt more like to me mine hurts Uh, and I'm sure whatever's happened in your life it hurts Uh, but sometimes there's something that God can only teach in the soil of suffering that we can't learn any other way and I think anybody who's been a Christ follower long enough realizes there's a different level of dependence that you learn in the midst of the messiness of life than you would at any other time when things feel like, you know what? I can just coast right now. So it's a sanctification process. It's a discipline process. And in both of those things, the bigger overarching thing I'd say is it's a loving process. Mm. Uh, What parent that loves their children is not going to, is not going to put them through some difficult things. I, I would argue no good parent is going to just allow their kid to coast through life. That never produces any solid fruit as we've seen over and over again uh, over the course of life.
1: So I, I don't know, maybe it was it was the guy in me, but I loved the analogy in your chapter, the gift of pain and how to Pes- press through it about becoming the katana.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's my personal favorite. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's, uh, it, it really is, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's funny as I was writing the book Uh, and it's not like this overly like dude book or anything. Shockingly, I've probably had more females that have given me positive feedback and read it, but I did. (laughs) My editor was like, you have so many like war illustrations in here. What's the deal? I'm like, I just love history. Um, but yeah, the Katana man is, is interesting how Japanese sword makers would just, uh, make these blades that are considered one of the greatest weapons in history, pre guns, especially, uh, just that it, it had incredible balance, that it was both hard in the right areas and soft in the right areas, that it was flexible, but that it it wasn't too flexible. It was, it was the perfect weapon, but it was only created through difficult circumstances, uh, that it took many men staying up for like 48 hours straight, just pushing through to make sure that it was the perfect temperature as they were heating the blade and creating the... Cr- proper metals. And it's, it's a beautiful uh, tantalizing process, but it's also, it's difficult. It's time consuming. It's sanctifying uh, in a way that I think we all need to understand such as life.
1: And I mean, right. And then right after that, you, you go into, you know, in this chapter talking about the gift of pain, how to press through it. It's easy to say, God will bring breakthrough. We have to accept that breakthrough doesn't avoid pain. It attacks it. And, and, and then you share, you know, that Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness.
0: I, I said in that chapter that there's something about being in it that's different than anything else. Uh, and, and I think um, a lot of times the way that we look at a circumstance, when we find ourselves in the midst of a messy moment or we find ourselves in the midst of pain, we go well, I just need to wait for this to pass. I need to get over it. I need to get around it. I need to get under it I, I, so, some way. But w- we never, we never want to sit in it and realize that there's something that's happening in this, in this moment and in this season as I'm trying to get through it. Uh, you really can't go through something unless you are comfortable with the fact that you are in it. There's a reason that you are in it. That God is doing something beautiful in the midst of all that pain and difficulty, uh, and that and that He's really gonna He's really gonna bring you through it. But you can't avoid certain aspects of it in order to truly learn what's necessary in that season and everything that God has for you, as difficult as it can be. Because Lord knows, I mean, that's not that's not an easy ask. That's not like an easy thing to wrestle with but rather it's something that you really got to go you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out Uh, i'm gonna go deep with god here Uh, i feel like god's building depth in in my life and i'm i'm committed to that i'm committed to him and i want to see what's on the other side but i first got to learn some things on this side before
1: i can really put them into action in the future. Speaking of, you know, the, the process of just, you know, trusting God and, and, and having him pass through it, you talk about in the next chapter about how we can't win the war on our own and that there's victory and surrender. And you talked about this a little bit at the very beginning, you know, that we can only get so far on our own trying to fix things ourselves, but then we got to surrender it to God. So how, how do we do that in such a me-focused culture? It's about the selfie. It's about, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. How do we surrender?
0: You know, it's a good question. I think this is one of the more difficult concepts that I had to try to unravel because it it is such a it's such a me centered thing. I think uh, it's such a me centered culture. You know what I'd say, Andrew, is you got to really get honest. Uh, I feel like uh, a lot of what we're lacking in a social media driven world is is honesty Uh, with ourselves, with other people. Uh, we say that we value authenticity we say that we just uh, we want people to be real uh, whatever that means uh, and, and we say that but then we go and we post the perfect photo the filtered photo the everything we care a lot we care a lot about our image i know i care about mine um you know it's it's funny like I'll i'll meet with young people all the time they're like i don't i don't really care about Uh, you know, what's going on with my social media. And, you know, I just, I could care less. I'm like, well, do you have it? Because if you have it, you care. Uh, (laughs) If you really didn't care, you wouldn't have it. That's what not caring is. But we all care to some degree. Uh, But it's, it's really when you surrender, when you surrender the idea of your own image to being conformed to whatever it is that Jesus is trying to make out of you, that you're trying to really conform to his image, that he's ultimately the goal. It's really getting yourself in a posture of honesty where you go, I'm, I, I am nothing on my own. I mean, I, I am not able to do and be who I'm supposed to be on my own, no matter how much I try to make myself out to be the hero of the story in the eyes of other people, no matter how many sermons I listen to where people try to say that I'm David, um, Jesus is David. Uh, Jesus is the hero of the story. And until I recognize that I had to be rescued, I can't surrender. But the moment that I realize I'm not the hero of my own story, but I get to play a significant part in the history. And, in, and obviously in God's story that he's writing throughout history, I'm willing to submit to the greater idea of what he is playing out through the church and through his people than anything that I could make of myself. There's nothing that Luke can make of Luke that is going to be better than what God could make of Luke. Uh, hmm. I, I just, I so deeply think we have to get honest above all else. Uh, Because until we truly get honest with ourselves and with those around us, we're just playing these fictitious characters and and really just uh, trying to mask the reality of what we're going through and who we are in order to be seen well in the eyes of other people. And God kind of becomes this afterthought. But if we're truly surrendered to God, if we are truly of the idea that he's the Lord of my life, the hero of my story, that he's using me by his grace to enact me as part of something that he's doing great throughout this world for the glory of his name. Are you kidding me right now? Like I will submit to that. And that's going to be the true difference maker. People can tell when someone is truly submitted to God. Uh, I think people go, okay, that's wild that you feel the way that you feel. Cause that's significantly different than the way that others portray themselves. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, of course it is, because even Christians, we are trying to make ourselves look a certain way to the rest of the world, when really we need to be submitting ourselves to what God wants us to do for His glory and His name. And if we're walking in that, then it's impossible to live this life unsurrendered. You have to surrender to God, very, same, very similar to the way that we talked about the potter's wheel at the beginning uh, of our conversation here.
1: And I think uh, one thing I know surrendering it's such an important thing. But somebody might be listening right now that says, "Boy, I am just hanging on by a thread. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do next." Uh, you talk about a great example in the Bible in, in Luke of the, this woman who was absolutely yeah. hanging on by a thread. And, and, and you know, what did we? What did you learn from her story?
0: Well, I love my favorite part of that story, Andrew. Is it says that. I think it's Luke 8, verse 48, that it says that the woman just touched the fringe of Jesus' garment. And in pastoral ministry, over the past five, six years, what I've found is, is a lot of people, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, Luke, I, uh, you, know, you just don't understand what I'm going through. I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread and I'll read this story with them. And I'm like, listen, a thread is all you need. If you're hanging on by a thread right now, that is all you need. And you need to recognize that Jesus can do more with you hanging on by a thread than if you have his whole cloak sometimes, because there's things that Jesus can do at the end of that rope where you feel like I got nothing else left to hang on to except for him. You're in a beautiful spot Uh, because that is, that is when God starts to do some of his most incredible, miraculous work through his power for his people. Right. Uh, And so I always try to encourage people that, that, that is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible because that woman's situation is so dire. Uh, I mean, she's been sick for 12 years. And I think at the time that I wrote the book, I tried to detail, like, do you know how long 12 years is? Like, Obama wasn't in office when I finished the, writing the book, you know, <laughs> from that point 12 years prior. The iPhone wasn't a thing when I had written the book, when I finished the first draft. Like, 12 years is a long time to be suffering the way that she's been suffering. And when she's like, you know what, I'm just going to go see this Jesus. And she gets a thread of his cloak. That's when her whole situation changes. So if you're listening to this today and you're like, Luke, I am, I I know what you're trying to say, man, but I'm hanging on by a thread. Hold on to this truth that a thread is all you need. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and God can do more with that thread than you could ever ask or imagine.
1: You talk about towards the end that you can go, you go from a mess to a masterpiece and and there's two camps when we share our story.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, it's so funny, man. You, you kind of have, you have a group of individuals that will be like, you know, I just don't know if it's really going to matter. And then you have this other group of individuals that's very like, this is, this is everything. Um, and, and I know for me, like I grew up, you know, where my testimony is not like overly like, man, you know, like I was, drunk and stone stumbling out of a strip club. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when Jesus flew down to me on a flaming chariot and (laughs) said to me like, Hey man, like, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm God and I really have a plan for your life and you should follow me. And I was like, yes, God. And in that moment, my whole life was transformed. So here I am, you know, my testimony was so like, it always feels so boring. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, I grew up in a solid Christian home. I went to church. Um, got a little off track, did some of the stereotypical things. And, and the thing that, thing that I want people to really recognize is that there, there's a power in your story, uh, that only like people can argue, uh, things. People can argue about Jesus and what the Bible says about Jesus, but people can't argue with what he's done in your life. Uh, and that's, that's the greatest, that is the greatest thing in the world about a testimony that regardless of what yours looks like and other people's looks like, like there is a reason why yours is so powerful. And it's because nobody can take away from the fact that your story is a story of redemption through the power that God did in your life as a result of you accepting Jesus Christ in your life. And so use that, roll with that. There's nothing more powerful than that.
1: It's easy to make excuses or blame your circumstances, but your biggest enemy is usually the one staring back at you from the mirror every single morning. And man, I, I relate to this. Maybe you do too. Lacking self-control. It's so tough. How do you have more self-control? Is it just a simple thing of saying, I'm going to have more? Where is God and the Holy Spirit? a Part of this. Drew Dyke has written a book about this called Your Future Self. Well, thank you. Secrets of self-control from the Bible and brain science. And you know what? Spoiler alert, they actually say the same thing. That's coming up next week on the 30 Second Book Club.